Welcome to I'm Game with Fred Croner. Today I'm joined by Nicole Lafon, a Muhammad Seymour graduate back in 2010. Um, I got the privilege to, to know her my final few years at the News Gazette. Uh, she was hired there as the education reporter, and I think most of us knew she was going to go on to, to bigger and better things. And in 2017, uh, she left and made the jump from Champaign-Urbana to, to New York City. And um, I'll kind of let you tell the story, but, but first of all, that's a big jump to go from Champaign County to New York City. How difficult was that transition and, and what went into the thinking process to, uh, to go ahead and make that change? Uh, well, thanks for having me on. It's great to see you. It's been a very long time since we've chatted, at least yes. virtually like this. Um, yeah, I. it was interesting. It was an interesting shift. I had spent about a summer in New York um, prior to joining the News Gazette. So I at least had a little bit of an idea of what to expect, but um, it's a pretty substantial shift in life, day-to-day -day life. Um, I didn't have a car. I actually haven't owned a car in five years, which is pretty crazy to think about, um, you know, just compared to day-to-day -day life in, in the Midwest. But um, yeah, I, I left the News Gazette. Um, Sadly, I loved my job as an education reporter. I always tell people out here, it's the best job I ever had. It was, um, it was a very local news centric community and job. And um, yeah, I spent a lot of time at school board meetings and city council meetings and just doing the really on the ground reporting work that, that makes up good journalism. So, um, but I moved to New York to go to grad school um, I see, I started at Columbia University. I got my master's in um, journalism there and uh, graduated in 2019 and decided to stick around for a few more years. <laughs> what, what was the transition like as, as you got out there? I, I assume you didn't know very many people, if any, when, when you arrived there in New York, right? Yeah, no, I didn't. I, I knew a few people here and there. Um, just from past journalism programs in college, but there's not too many uh, Olivet Nazarene University alums in New York City. So that's where I went for undergrad. Um, so yeah, I didn't have a ton of connections, but there were actually a few people from Muhammad and the Champaign area that I connected with when I first moved out here, but it was mostly just kind of starting from scratch. So um, I made quite a few friends in my program at grad school and, um, you know, co-workers and uh, a lot of people in the journalism industry tend to stick together out here. So <laughs> that's been that's been a big part of community development here in the city. So while, while you were in grad school, you started working for Talking Points Memo. Kind of talk yes. that opportunity come about and, and kind of what was your, your entry level position there? So I, uh, well, I mentioned I had that internship in New York um, before coming to the News Gazette. And so um, I interned at Talking Points Memo back then. It was kind mm -hmm. of a, my first, one of my first journeys into national news. Um, and so that connection helped me when I first came out here, I was just looking for a job obviously wanted to stay in journalism and they happened to be hiring actually when I first came out here. So um, I started as a news writer, which is essentially kind of the same as a reporter, but 
spent most of my days focused on just minute by minute breaking news developments. Um, and if you recall, that time was a pretty chaotic era in political news. Um, it was the first full year of, uh, or second year of Trump's presidency and a lot of different things going on back then. Um, and I worked the breaking news shift. So I was up at the crack of dawn. <laughs> um, I had to be at the office at 6 a.m. most days. So that was quite the challenge, but uh, I made it through somehow, a bit tired, but um, yeah, I worked that for the full two years I was in grad school and um, moved on to a few other positions since then at the same company, but it was it was a good place to be when I was in grad school. <laughs> so, so getting up and being at work at six, but then you're going to grad school, right? So, I mean, you were literally burning the candle. <laughs> I was, that was a bit of a rough one. Um, yeah, it was, I got to work at six. I usually got done around three and then I would head, take the train back uptown in Manhattan to Columbia's campus, which is, um, in Harlem, which is also where I lived at the time. So it was kind of a, a lot of time spent on the train. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it was, uh, there were a lot of late nights, a lot of nights I didn't get home until nine or 10 and then just had to get up and do the same thing in the morning. But um, I'm grateful for the experiences. I had some really great professors at grad school and um, all just kind of led me and educated me and got me to the place that I am now. So, but a lot of it was drawing off of the News Gazette. I mean, when I was applying for grad school, um, I remember one of the interviews I went through, they were really impressed by my past local reporting experience, which I guess was a rarity for the program. I wasn't really aware of that, but um, I think also just being from the Midwest and going to a program that um, tends to uh have a bit of a more you know elite east coaster vibe um i think my past experiences and just growing up in a different part of the country really kind of uh helped me stand out a bit and do good reporting for school and for work too <laughs> so reporters know it's all about the sources talk, talk about developing sources in, in a new area that you hadn't been at for a while uh how, how did you about that because obviously breaking news I mean you need to get a hold of somebody and and get some comments or some reaction and and if you don't have the sources you're kind of out of luck yeah it's true um the yeah the breaking news environment especially a national and being like a digital news outlet it's a little bit different because a lot of our work is centered on what's going on day to day in Washington so um it helps to have a whole you know newsroom filled of, with reporters, veteran reporters who've been covering the national political news beat for some time. Um, I think one of my first calls that I made to the White House very much went unanswered, but then a few of my coworkers, you know, offered, well, this person tends to get back to you a little bit more quickly on this topic, so you should try her. And um, yeah, I think at one point, one of our, one of my coworkers had gotten Sean Spicer's cell phone number. So I think at one point I gave him a call and we had a rather uh, robust conversation that ended with him hanging up on me. But um, it's just kind of, you know, sticking your neck out there each day. And uh, a lot of my reporting wasn't necessarily focused on New York City proper. Um, so it was just kind of like throwing my 
throwing what I could at the wall and seeing who got back to me and what stuck. And eventually over time, people start to trust you and answer the phone a little bit more, as you know. And um, yeah, it just took some time. Um, with grad school, is a little bit different because I focused a lot of my um, thesis work on contacts that I already had back in the Midwest and in the um, evangelical community. Um, I ended up doing my thesis paper on a lot of different things related to um, the intersection of Trump and the Trump voter and the um, evangelical voter, but um, it also looked back several decades at some of the work that the Republican Party had done over several years to kind of get those voters in their pocket and um, I ended up doing a piece on um, a man who was from Illinois. Um, I followed him around a little bit from during some of the work he was doing and I did a piece on basically the work that some more lefty um, evangelicals are doing to court um, Christian voters into accepting voting or immigration reform. So it was kind of an interesting piece that, that really kind of focused more on my contacts back home than here, which I was grateful for, but um, you do what you know in reporting. So, and if you don't know, then you just kind of <laughs> make it till you make it kind of thing. Well, you know, dur during this time, I mean, it seemed like there were almost daily developments from the White House and the Trump administration. I imagine on one hand that that was good for you because there's always plenty of material, plenty to write about. But I mean, after a while, did that what was that like to, to have to deal with that on, a, on an almost daily basis? It's interesting because, um, yeah, people ask me this a lot. I mean, I'm sure you get it too, just as a news news person and a news junkie. Um, people are often asking me like, how do you not get burnt out? <laughs> or at least just like frustrated with the state of the world. And I think for me, it was just more that I was always going to be interested in these topics and these developments happening at a national level. So why not use my work energy to focus on them and cover them? And um, there was a lot of days it got pretty chaotic and we have a pretty lean team at TPM. So um, it wasn't always easy to keep up with everything, but we just kind of picked and chose, you know, what news fit best with our um, our mission and the work we're trying to do to educate our writers or our readers. And um, I would say, you know, uh, not everyone needs to have the like large spans of knowledge that I have embedded in my brain at this point about every little detail of um, White House happenings, but it does help you write faster to have that lodged in your brain. So <laughs> there's good and bad there. We'll talk a little bit about the mission of Talking Points Memo. What what uh, what is the the mission? Um, well, we are, you know, we're just a, we're a lefty political news site. We're um, pretty small, but we focus um, a lot of our energy on um, some of our pillars of reporting are covering extremism and um, uh, nationalism and the way that that kind of manifests um, within the far right community. We also focus a lot on immigration reform and voting rights reform. Um, we've done a lot of coverage of what's going on in Congress right now with the various um, stonewalling happening from 
you know, Democrats and Republicans on trying to get any legislation passed. Um, we just take like a very iterative approach to um, the stories that we're interest, most interested in. And um, a lot of the last year has just focused on the reverberations of January 6th and the insurrection. And also just looking back at how we got to this point and um, you know, what not only in the Trump era has unfolded and happened and to you know, get to the place of political divisiveness that we're in now, um, but also looking forward, uh, <clears throat> there's, there's been a, a pretty, uh, uh, we're seeing this play out on whether it's, you know, it's not as at the same violent level as we saw on January 6th, but there's a lot of distrust in um, America's electoral systems and just government in general right now. So um, we try to focus our work on, you know, not as advocates, but just, you know, lining, outlining what's happening and why it matters, um, what the specter of violence, political violence threat means for people's day-to-day -day lives, as well as our election system in general and democracy in general. So, um, yeah, there's a lot going on that kind of fits into those buckets that we try to try to stay on top of each day. So. And, and really, the, the distrust, I, I think, goes a lot farther than, than just the government. I mean, with the, the cries of, of fake news and all that, I mean, how mm -hmm. do you support and, and as an organization, you know, maintain that credibility and build that credibility when there are all these cries of, oh, that's fake news and that isn't right and that didn't happen. And, and you know, a lot of people anymore don't know what to believe and, and what not to believe. It's true. Yeah, there's, it's almost as if the past couple years has made it harder with COVID and disinformation online about, you know, things that used to be just basic medical facts are kind of um, being twisted and people are falling down rabbit holes and wanting to um, make decisions for themselves and their own bodies. And I think that um, a lot of the uproar and the messaging that we're seeing from various groups now is with misinformation is people just kind of live in echo chambers. There's also a lot of issues with big tech and the ways that we're fed information. Um, and so we just try to stay, um, you know, we, we don't pretend to be some objective news site that sits in the very middle and is asking both people on both sides, you know, what their, what their, beliefs or opinions might be. We're, we're not, you know, we don't stick or adhere to some of the more traditional journalistic um, values in that sense, I guess. But at the end of the day, like there's no, sometimes there's not two sides to a story and that's the approach that we take and that's the um, perspective that we take. And we try to stay as, um, you know, middle of the line as we can, but, um, while also not giving a platform for hateful things. So it's kind of a difficult balance, it really is. But um, if you tell a story right and you talk to the right people and um, facts don't really have both sides to them most of the time, we do a lot of data analysis and um, various things like that. So, and I'm not really a reporter anymore. I'm an editor now, so I kind of have to um, play devil's advocate a lot and play a little bit of a different role with 
um, regards to our reporting process now, but um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting time. It's, uh, we have a pretty loyal readership, but uh, even then um, we do the best we can to just give people the information that we know to be true and accurate and people can make up their own minds, but um, we like to think we know, you know, we're sticking to the, the truth as, as often as, as, it, as we can, so. So you kind of, you touched on something I wanted to move into and, that, and that's how you kind of moved up during your time there at, at Talking Points Memo. Uh, you became the special pro projects editor and now for about the last year associate editor. Talk about how those opened up and, and if that's as enjoyable for you as the, as the writing and, and reporting was. Yeah, so I started the pandemic with a new position um, as special projects editor. And I do a lot of similar to what I did then, but just a little bit more sweeping now. Um, cover a lot of, uh, I think I, I outlined this for you a little bit earlier, but um, or in the email over the weekend, but I, I do a lot of different things. I have a hand on in the editorial side as well as the production side. So um, editorially now I write a daily uh, column, um, just kind of talking about writing about whatever the issue of the day is that makes the most sense for me to have a, uh, have a bit of a take on or share some new information about. Um, I write uh, and edit our newsletters. Um, we have a, a voting rights newsletter that we call the franchise, which is just centered on various voting rights and voting reform and um, restrictive voting laws being passed around the country. Um, so I help edit that one. And then I write our weekend newsletter, which is kind of a roundup of the news of the week and kind of a more fun platform um but i also you know day to day i'm fielding pitches from reporters and writers and um, i work with all of our freelance uh, writers who tend to submit um guest essay type pieces op-eds um the kind of stuff that would have been published in the news gazettes um uh, more you know the editorial section or in the uh, letters to the editor, that kind of stuff. I feed, feed through a lot of that. Um, and yeah, then I have a hand in um, our social media and our podcasts and our uh, uh, audience development. Um, we sometimes have virtual events that I help uh, put together. It's kind of a just whatever <laughs> makes sense for that day kind of job, but um, the it, it is a little bit different being you know, overseeing projects instead of being in the thick of it. Um, and I think I enjoy it. I, I enjoy it a lot. It's a, it's a different challenge, but um, I think that working with people and helping writers bring their stories to fruition is really rewarding. So, and I still get to write some. That was kind of one of my <laughs> uh, sticking points for taking the positions I wanted to still write, so. Um, but yeah, it just came about. I mean, I've been with TPM for a long time. A couple, the last two positions opened up, and it was a natural fit. So, are the are the columns what what we would consider uh, you know true columns in terms of you voicing an opinion or taking a stand, or are they more kind of uh, information based columns? I would say it's a combination of the two. I mean, they're very traditional in the sense that I always have some type of take or um, uh, opinion ish 
type of thing that I'm trying to reiterate a little bit, but I try to also just outline the facts and say, look, this is the information we have. Um, this is why it matters and why it's important to us and why you should care about it. And um, do what you will with that. I, I don't try to you know, shove any type of specific, well, this is what you should believe kind of take down people's throat. But um, I think that there's, there's a lot of, uh, I think that there, in a lot of ways, it serves a good purpose, especially for people who are just looking for information and looking for, you know, someone who's in the thick of it to just say, like, this is how you should think about it. And this is how we're thinking about it. And more importantly, this is why it matters and why this, um, you know, even if it's a small nugget of news, it can feed into this bigger story that means something um, beyond just being a little nugget of news, I guess is how I would explain it. So yes and no, traditional and not so traditional, I suppose. I would think probably one of the, the great things about your job is really no two days are alike, right? I mean, you, you're doing something. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether it's editing, writing, or what the topic is, or who you're talking to. And, and that has to be one of the, the really nice things, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that that's, um, you know, I recognize within myself, I'm very much a creature of habit um, in my personal life. And so I always, you know, I wanted to get into journalism because I liked writing and I liked talking to people. And that's really the two pillars of why I started it. But also, um, I'm I'm someone who needs variety in my life to stay interested and focused. And so, um, yeah, and there's no way to predict what the news is going to be each day. And especially at the national level, it's chaotic all the time. But um, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's fun. It's fun to mix things up a bit. Sure. So as, as you were getting into journalism, were education and politics two of the areas that you kind of hope you would get a chance to, to write about or, or what were you thinking back when, when you were just kind of entering? That's hard. Um, I don't know that I really had an idea of what I wanted to focus on. I think when I was younger, I kind of just thought, well, news is news and information matters to people. So I want to do whatever I can to get the right information in front of people. But um, yeah, education was kind of, I think that job opening just sort of was open when I was looking and I didn't know a whole lot about how um, the education system works or, you know, the politics of school boards or, um, you know, the way that funding is allocated or anything like that. And um, I've I spent a lot of time over those three years, two and a half years, I think it was um, just talking to the right people and talking to people who could just explain things to me and <laughs> um, reading through documents and then just, you know, calling someone being like, okay, what, I don't know exactly what this means. Can you just give me a layman's version? And that's really just the whole point of journalism in general. So yes, I think I've always cared about politics just as like a politically aware, socially aware person. Um, Education was something that I really had to educate myself about as I was covering it, but, and same with politics, um, just a little bit, a little bit different these days. Before I let you go, uh, Nicole, have you had a chance to do much exploring in New York City and get out and, and see all that, that there is there or, or not? Yeah, I have. Um, it's, 
Yeah, luckily I was here for almost three years before COVID happened. So I had plenty of time to not only get all the touristy stuff out of my system, but then also really get to know different parts of the city um, and the things that the locals are doing. And um, the, you know, I mean, there's Broadway, but there's also off-Broadway plays and there's so many museums and you, you always have an endless running list of things that you wanna do in New York. But um, I lived in Manhattan for two years and then I moved to Brooklyn. Um, and I love Brooklyn. I love both. They're, they're really great. They're just really rich communities and um, lots of culture and you never run about, out of things to do. I mean, things are a little bit different now, but um, the, the city is still vibrant even during COVID and um, just find every opportunity you can to do something, even if it's, you know, a walk around the park or you know going to central park and getting a coffee or something it's the it's you never run out of things to do even during a pandemic so it's been great uh -huh. yeah well so t tell me if anybody wants to follow you at talking points memo how how can they do that oh um well there's uh well our website is called i mean it, you just google talking points memo you'll find it um i am on twitter also um it's just at Nicole underscore LaFond. So you can find me there as well. All right. Well, Nicole LaFond, we certainly enjoyed talking to you again today and reconnecting after, uh, gosh, about five, six years uh, since you've it's, been that, so. Yeah, I haven't, seen, I haven't seen your face in so long. It's crazy. No, exactly. <laughs> Is there anything else you would like to add? Oh, no. I just, a big hello and hug to Muhammad, my, my hometown. Um, and I just really appreciate you having me on. Um, I know my parents will be excited to <laughs> listen to this. So I'll make sure to send it their way when it's up and ready. So hi, mom. All right. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> I will let you get going because I bet uh, knowing the, the way of the world is probably a story that's been breaking these last 20 minutes that, uh, that you may need to get to, so. Yes, <laughs> well, thanks so much for having me. Bye.